Hey, welcome back Four for the Road, everybody. I'm your host, Punk Rock. We're here with the usual suspects today. We got Andar and Drifter with us. Uh, and we're going to be talking about some pretty heavy shit, man. It's kind of controversial, to be honest. Um, you know, it kind of goes against the grain of what's popular belief. Um, so, Andar, why don't you break us off? What are we talking about today, man? Sure, and hopefully Tragic will jump in here when he decides to uh, stop sleeping and join us. But... Um, <laughs> Something that we've talked about before and posted about before is uh, Hollister, uh, the start of the 1%, uh, you know, it's the 1% label, the actual of some sort of 1% patch and where that comes from versus kind of what what happened and what came out of Hollister and, and kind of how that differs a little bit and stuff like that. And instead of just giving kind of our opinion on it, we've also come up with some ways to um, to back it up. Uh, this is something that Drifter and I are, are hugely passionate about. Um, we love kind of that early California history. Um, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, you know, into the into the 60s is just such a cool era um, to see and to explore. And something that we'll talk about near the end of the show, too, is like, how some of this stuff um, kind of intersects and you need like a, like a, a Venn diagram for this stuff. And, and, you know, something I mentioned on our Instagram was, you know, talking about Ed Roth and uh, you know, his rat fink and kind of how he blended the custom culture and the motorcycles and like, you know, the who's who um, of the scene back then in just such a cool way and had one of the first chopper magazines and, and all the different people that he intersected with. So that's kind of where we're going to go with it. Um, I thought we'd kind of start, in order um it starts with hollister um and we'll kind of go from there how's that sound yeah i like it man right so, on honky <laughs> you know i thought we weren't going to address the elephant in the room because you know every well i think we have like a thousand listeners now we went from like 10 to a thousand just by being honkies i guess i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> People thought we weren't going to address that elephant in the room. You, that dude can that dude can kiss my ass. Um, so, Drifter, you love Hollister. Um, you know, it was a 4th of July weekend, 1947. How old were you? Shut up. God damn. <laughs> I think he's really upset that he was 30 when all that went down. <laughs> you know, so let me back this up a little bit. There, these two assholes are picking on me because this fucking technology on this iPhone is kicking my ass. And they're over there fucking rolling around thinking it's hilarious. Kiss my ass. <laughs> it looks literally, for those that are listening, it looks like we're watching Drifter get a colonoscopy with this fucking phone trying to figure out how to use it. But I can't anyway. turn the fucking camera off. God damn it. <laughs> anyway, so like we, like we were talking about, Hollister weekend, 1947, as Drifter was graduating high school. You, you got a picture like, like Hollister at the time, and, I, and I'm not from California, you know, um, tragic and punk rock. They can speak on, on how different Hollister might be now. But at the time, Hollister was this tiny ass farming community. It was like maybe two to three thousand people. We're talking, you know, just removed from the Second World War. Vets are coming home. Vets are picking up cheap Harleys and stuff like this. And, and they're looking to go somewhere and, and celebrate and party. And. It's not like they just threw a dart at a map and were like, let's go invade Hollister. Hollister like, has something that, that for many years before World War II was already a thing. Like People were already going and putting on races and hill climbs and all this kind of stuff at Hollister. Um, yeah, it was part of the gypsy tour. And, and there was some really famous clubs that, that ended up there in 1947. Uh, Drifter, maybe you've heard of some of them? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a few, thirteen rebels, booze fighters, uh, P. Bob, uh, many uh, the Hessians. I think were there. Were they there? 
You know, I, I've got you know the 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 goose, the top hatters, boost fighters, market top street handos, mm-hmm. and of course Drifter and his own thirteen rebels riding in there. Um, you know, and some you know some very famous characters, other historic clubs are kind of born out of this era. And you know, like Drifter said, this was an AMA thing, a gypsy event that that it was, was the first time they had put on. Um, you know, Hollister they had a racetrack, um, Bellato racetrack. Um, and this is a place where where guys would come and race and and shit like that. And then obviously World War Two, fucking nothing. Everybody's gone. Everybody's off um, fighting. And this was kind of the first event that they put on. And so you're talking about an event that used to get a thousand people, and all of a sudden it's got six thousand motorcyclists. Um, people are just freaking the fuck out. Like, what do we do? How do we handle this influx of almost six thousand people? And you know what got me? What got me about the whole thing is. You know, you, you have the movie, you have the cyclist raid uh, story and all that, and the newspapers. But the local town sheriff didn't realize he was in a riot until somebody told him. He wasn't in a fucking riot. He didn't think of it that way. The local business owners didn't think of it as a riot. They thought, hey, I'm selling extra beer. This is fantastic. You know, who would have thought that post-World War II, people would enjoy a, a boom in the economy and tourism and, and shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. And there's some fun stuff. Like if you look it up, like like Drifter mentioned, you know, uh, barkeeps and stuff like that, business owners, they were like selling you a, a what we would call a permit today for you to camp out behind their store and stuff like that, or to sleep on on their front yard. I mean, that's people were making money. And there was what like two arrests, or I forgot exactly how many, but yeah, there was. Um, so what I wrote down here is from the from the newspaper I found there was actually sixty documented citations. And and a note I made here, I wanted to do a shout out. There was only one, um, one arrest that actually required locking somebody up. Um, so congratulations um, to the booze fighters on that one. Good job, <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wino has this great story about how he talked the guys from going down there and busting them out of jail. They said, "Be fucking drunk, let them sleep it off." You know, and I think, you know, like Drifter pointed out, you know, these guys are, they've got, they've got permits to be sleeping. Um, you know, they overcrowded the racetrack. The racetrack was like ready for a thousand people. All of a sudden there's 6,000. So guys are ripping it up in the streets and stuff like that. And, and they're drag racing. Some are crashing. Nobody really was hospitalized. A few minor injuries. I got here um, from the newspaper, one broken leg. Uh, tragic causes more destruction than at his local titty bar. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I dropped the tragic joke, and this dude's walked away from his computer for a minute. Yeah, right. He looks like he's having a great day, though. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. shit. There he is. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the show, Tragic. So, so here's the thing, you fuckers. I always forget that you guys are all on a different time zone than me. So you guys say four o'clock, and I'm out ripping around on my bike like da 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 da. I got plenty of fucking time to do whatever I want to do. And I'm just ripping around like an asshole. And then I look down <laughs> at my phone and I see punk rock's fucking missed calls. And I go, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta go call dad. So, <laughs> I mean, we only said, we only said, I gotta be home before the lights are off. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, happy, so I missed man. all that. I missed all your, all the cool history. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for. No, the, we were just, uh, we were just we shit talking how we got kicked off the other page. We're only, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, were you? <laughs> I, uh, you know what? I know we're recording, but I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, now that Tragic's here, I told uh, Punk Rock that I came up with a theme song for us, and I wanted to play it for everybody. This is the the hateful four. <laughs> 
folks, we were well, really, you know, it, yeah, we so were trying to take the high road there for a long listeners time. Listeners tuning but, uh, in, you know, now we do our own thing. Um, so, you know, there's no, you guys already know what's up, so we don't have to go into it too deep, but, you know, ah, it is what it is. Whatever, we, all know, we all know who Puff Daddy is. Uh, wait, wait, who's Puff Daddy? Who's the Puff Daddy? You're gonna have to ex- first of all. You're gonna have to explain fucking uh, modern urban hip hop music to Drifter what it is. You know that thing after jazz that happens. <laughs> when something happens after jazz. <laughs> and then there was like disco, and then like there came this thing. It was called hip hop and rap, and you know I can go inside and be insulted. I don't have to sit out here and do this. You're right. You're hey, doing this for fun. I want to know why is why is Drifter's thumb over the camera? I know listeners can't see this shit, but why? It's not his thumb. That's ah, his, he's. We're actually. I think it's my thumb. Be right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's moving around. Uh, whatever it is, it's making me a little nervous. We'll talk <laughs> nice to it, and it might get a little bigger. Ah, God. <laughs> All right. So, so before I rudely interrupted you guys' uh, podcast. Um, where, where were we at? You guys were talking about Hollister and then what Hollister, else? um, going over a little bit about Riverside. Um, you yeah, know, all, all fucking just so, just for people who don't know California, just as a heads up, those are like that's California is not like all just one, you know, one giant beach. Well, I, I take that back, it is all one giant beach. California <laughs> is basically 25 miles from the coast, and then everything further that's like Eastern California, that's like a whole different state. Yeah. So, like, out there in the area, like Riverside, Hollister, it's it's way different out there. Hey, hey uh, Tragic, as somebody that's that's been to Hollister, like, how different is it now versus then? Like, I was saying earlier, back then, it was like a, like 2,000 people lived there and stuff like that. Like, it was just a small farming community. I've only – I've never actually really been. I've passed through the, the region, um, and it's still pretty fucking remote, still pretty agricultural-oriented. It's, it's still dry and brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's pretty accurate. They do have um, they do have a mural of the wild one painted on the side of a building, um, and that's pretty much like the only homage that they pay to anything really there. Isn't that Johnny's um, bar? It is. It yeah. is. Um, so, fun that, fact about Johnny's bar: little fucking nowhere. So everybody are, are everybody knows the picture, whether or not you know the guy's name, of Eddie Davenport. Eddie Davenport is the biker that you think of on the on the on the Harley. He's got a uh, he's got a racing uh, a racing jacket over him. He's got beer cans all around him. Eddie wasn't in a club. It's not his jacket. That wasn't his bike. That picture is staged for those that don't know. Um, and Eddie was actually just a drunk, uh, a local drunk, stumbling out of Johnny's. Um, so if you're looking at the picture, there's a movie plex right there. And then to your left, a little bit more would have been Johnny's, which is where, um, Eddie was, was stumbling out of. And of course the famous picture comes, um, from all of that. Um, there's actually a dude named Gus who worked at the movie theater who tries to break the picture up by jumping in the back of it. Like, um, like what we would call a photo bomb nowadays. And Gus is like, they interviewed him and Gus in 97 and Gus is like, I thought there's no way in hell they'll take that picture. Gus was wrong. They took the picture. <laughs> Joke's on you, fucker. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, people see that picture, and, and if they don't know, you know, that's a staged picture. The, the beer bottles weren't there. Eddie wasn't on that bike. Eddie wasn't in a club. Um, Barney Peterson, the uh, the the photographer uh, that took the picture, um, he staged all that because that's his job. Yeah, he, a photographer. He grabbed all the bottles and like put them around it. And 
Yeah. You know, around the bike to make it look more. Because I was like, that picture, I was like, who who are these fucking animals? Who drinks like that? Fucking glass. Like, look. After yeah. after partying with them for a little while, I can tell you right now, the fucking booze fighters do drink like that. <laughs> they just throw their shit on the ground wherever? <laughs> no, no. Gus, Gus said, Gus said that the photographer... Gus said that the photographer went out to the trash can and pulled all those bottles out and then staged them. Yeah, so that's what I had heard. And that's one of the first things when I looked at the picture. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> just just the hazards alone, man. Fucking trip and fall, you're fucking going to lose an artery. And and I think, like, you know, we can tie it into to today. Like, you know, the press took off with that Life magazine, the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, the actual person that ran the article is a person named C.J. Daughtry. Um, who published it in the Chronicle um, with the with the type up after um, Barney took the the picture, and I think we can all relate to that shit today. Like, you know, how often is a picture of a biker taken with no context to go with it, or an article has like two paragraphs but no backstory to what's going on, and then people just lose their shit or make up all kinds of shit to go with it. Well, yeah. Life Life magazine did a pretty good job of. Uh, depicting it, you know, they, they they ran the photo and it was, um, because what it was, it was like less than 200 words. I remember that, it, but it was like little more, like they, they described the chaos as little more than beer soaked fun, right? Like it wasn't this giant fucking riot, there was not a bunch of, sh- you know, there wasn't a shit ton of property damage, <laughs> like, like people want to portray it. I mean, even now, like when I was a prospect, they you know, I was asking about the Hollister riots. And if you Google Hollister riots, you can find that shit all day, but it wasn't really a riot, you know? Just a bunch of motherfuckers having a good time. Exactly. And, so and the, sheriff, the sheriff had to be notified that he was in a riot. If he's got to be notified he's in a riot, I'm pretty sure and, that's just, that, that's like, it's a block party, right? Back in the day, that's what he called it, the block party. And, and, tra- yeah. and tragic, um, tragic and punk rock kind of be our experts here too on on Riverside. Um, so just two years I'm later, go that fucking far. <laughs> I, I got California. I got you. I live. Hey, I'm I'm from San Diego. You know, I rode uh, Riverside <laughs> County right just north of where I live at, and uh, I spent a lot of fucking time partying there. Uh, Temecula, Hemet, fucking Marietta, all that shit. So, so what you got, Drifter? The fucking dirt. Well, I'm, I'm Andor. I'm, I'm Dave, but, but cool. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Riverside, Riverside oh, how, many, how many white claws did you have before I got here? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I've been the only one. I'm like seven yinglings deep. You missed it, man. I'm seven yinglings deep, man. These men, these men have seen my balls today, Tragic. I'm fucking so glad. That's, that's a true statement. Yeah. Well, my ball. I had half of one removed, so I pulled the good one out. So you got one nut? I got a half a nut. Well, a nut and a half. That one. That's and a... there goes the audience. See you later, guys. It was Fuck nice that. I'm tuning in. in. The second I the second <laughs> previous year that punk rock's got one nut. I got, they got questions. Punk rock got a nut got a nut and a half. Wait till we can start taking calls on this shit. <laughs> All right, quick backstory. Oh boy. <laughs> no, it was uh is this related to Riverside? It is not related to Riverside. It, it happened Why are we in- talking about it? <laughs> the motherfucker we talking about. It. All right, so what do you want to know about Riverside and our Dave? Hey, you so, paper and pen in hand over there. He's serious business here. Get back to his subject. So, motherfuckers. 
so people people interchange Hollister and the Riverside riots and the rally the rally the race that went on Riverside like they're interchangeable. A lot of people who aren't a, a nerd like me don't give a shit about the difference, and and I get that. Um, and, and somebody that does a good write up on it is, since the Boost Fighters took the um, the prestige, I guess, of having the only arrest at Hollister, their dude Bill Hayes also has a really good write up um, on what happened at Hollister at um. At Riverside. So Riverside is where the Cyclist Raid came from. Cyclist Raid is a book written by Frank Rooney um, that leads to 1953, the movie The Wild One. So that's kind of how that all intertwines. But Hollister is always thought of as like the birthplace of the one percenter, but that's not true. Uh, the AMA, nobody ever said anything about the one percent. The AMA said a small fraction of motorcycles cause problems and this and that. Um, but really Hollister and Riverside are more so the birth of what we call the um, like the outlaw biker, um, rather than the actual monocure tab patch, whatever of, of a one percenter. Um, the first time that you're ever going to see somebody called an outlaw biker um, is after Riverside. Um, so there's there's some different publications and things like that. Um, and basically, there's this dude that writes for him, um, and his name was Paul Brokaw. Um, and he was just like, you know, the, he, I don't represent the AMA, but I work in this magazine, blah, blah, blah. Um, this wasn't in fact a riot. It was the work of just a small percentage of motorcyclists. And then the Riverside Sheriff says the only way for motorcycle sporting events to preserve is if the law abiding and the outlaw riders come together. So that's the first time you ever see the term outlaw biker is out of, um, is out of Riverside. And that's where they, most people confuse as, as far as their lore goes. That this is the birth of the one percent moniker. They think that this is the 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 publication or statement that that birthed that. Correct for the most part. Exactly, exactly, and really, it's not. It's it's the birthplace, you know. And I know, you know, we we published this before at the other place, and like I had a bunch of of. <laughs> Um, pissed, pissed off bastards um you know they were mad at me because you know they hold hollister very dear which i get and i'm not disrespecting that at all you very much are at the birthplace of that kind of outlaw rebel biker but it's not where the the actual definition and patch of the one percent comes from yeah and just for any of the listeners especially from any listeners who like from those organizations any of those clubs you shouldn't be mad if history's history. It's that's it's just is what it is. It's no disrespect to you to absolutely for when these guys go dig and and really want to preserve this. Everybody wants to be the cool, you know, club that fucking started everything. Everybody wants to be the one who, you know, birthed this, you know, logo or that or whatever. Especially the ones that are held so sacred to many of these clubs. Um, but you know, just remember, don't take it personal. It's not a it's not a slight against you. This is just history. And I think, you know, it's it's an evolution. Like, you can't just suddenly have Hollister Riverside and suddenly you're this outlaw 1% biker. Like, it, it's it, motorcycle clubs have been around since 1901 in America, and and you're seeing kind of an evolution. And Drifter's favorite movie, who he was an extra in, is The Wild One. When The Wild One hit screens, everybody wanted to be a badass that rode a motorcycle. Like, it was Sons of Anarchy on steroids. Like, people think Sons of Anarchy was bad. Like, the wild one, like, took that to a whole new level. What was the leather jacket sale increase? Like, 200%. The the very idea of James Dean standing there in his leather jacket being a rebel, that all comes from Marlon Brando's uh, portrayal as a biker in that movie. And uh, who, hey, Drifter, who did uh, Marlon Brando portray? Who's Johnny Molded after? I'm fucking dying over here. Hang on. (laughs) 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 Ah, you know, I yeah, I got Ebola over here. Sorry, guys. 
Woo. Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so Shell threw it, 13 Rebels, and then Wino Willie from Booze Fighters, that's the two guys that are portrayed in that movie. Um, I think we've all talked about that before, but I really like where you're going about how this is, it was an evolution from the GIs at World War II. They became kind of disgruntled, kind of fuck the world, I'm going to do what I want, kind of outlaws. And then we get to the one percenter, and I like where this is going. That's a weird, weird uh, precedent that, uh, in general, we we go to war, guys come back pissed off and irritated, and not ready to acclimate, and then uh, and then the culture of the motorcycle world or motorcycle club scene kind of boosts and uh, goes through twists and turns and changes. We've only well, seen that, you know, five six times now. Oh yeah, I mean, World War One. It started yeah. then. Those guys came back from World War One, and they turned these racing clubs into more of a brotherhood, you know? Hey, I need an outlet where I can be with brothers like I was yep. in the war. So that's where, you know, it really started at that. And look at, you know, I'm not trying to um, talk out of turn on Tragic's club, but look, you know, at his own club and, and the, you know, the rest of us, we're veterans. Um, you know, when you look at the difference of the World War II GI coming back versus the Vietnam era veteran, which is where Tragic's club was, was born out of, you know, we're talking about in World War II, the average dude fighting in Europe was 26 years old. Um, in Vietnam, the average dude was 18 or 19 years old. I mean, just the difference in like your maturity levels and, and how you're going to be able to cope with stuff that you see and, and and then how you were treated coming home from Vietnam versus World War II as a 19 or 20 year old kid. Like, I mean, you can just kind of see where that angst or that, that, that kind of wanting to rebel against something even more so than, than World War II would come out of, out of Vietnam. Oh, yeah, culturally. I mean, just think about, like like you said, World War II coming back, you know, celebrated as heroes. You were war heroes. They were people that were celebrated in the streets. You know, people treated them very different versus Vietnam. You know, you weren't treated real well, especially with, with people of your age, uh, you know, uh, bracket or whatever you want to call it. You know, you're going out and trying to come back to the world and, you know. All the hot chicks and skimpy bikinis are calling you a fucking baby killer. Well, you know, it's a, you know, it's not going to be really uh, something that you're going to want to be part of. And I think we kind of see this, the, like Drifter said, you know, we're just seeing more of this of this evolution from, you know, World War II, Hollister in 47. Five years later, we see the wild one and stuff like that. Um, and and guys are guys are getting in these clubs and they see Marlon Brando and they see, you know, Chino, they see Lee Marvin. And they want to identify like that. Now they want to get a little wilder. They want to race a little harder. They want to rebel a little bit more. Um, you know, we call it showing class and stuff like that. And and that's something that's starting to evolve in the mid fifties into the late fifties. And we get just some some legendary characters. And um, you know what Drifter and I have talked about, um, kind of where we think the one percent um, comes from. I mean, you had these legendary clubs. You know, the Satan Slave, Straight Satans. Um, you know, obviously the HA was born there and stuff like that. And these Galvanians, HA. And these names, they all just kind of, you know, how they intersect. You know, you've got guys like Father Bill who started the Straight Satans and Smacky Jack who was a Satan slave. And and they talk, you know, Drifter did a great write-up on on um, Dick Hirschberg and, and the Galloping Goose and, and stuff like that. And these guys were still around and, and, and things were different then. I'm not going to talk about whether that's not my business, that they were better, worse, anything like that. But dudes kind of interchange and they hung out and you know clubs that I, might not I, have. I, I can speak on. It. I think it was better. I think that was an it was an era before a lot of the bullshit, and uh, you know I, I think it was better. The fact that you could have a guy who went through three different 
um, what, are, what are deemed 1% clubs now. And it's not frowned upon. It wasn't like this guy was like a club, a club jumper or, or uh, you know, someone to to be looked at like couldn't make it or whatever. Like it was an era where it was things were a little bit more pure, you know. And and you're not looking at that guy who you know uh, who went from three major clubs as someone who's just you know what, what would nowadays be something you would frown highly upon. I'd hear that and I'd be like, that guy's a fucking joke, you know. And you've got these guys that are like, you know, they've already got the image from from the wild one and, and Hollister and stuff at Riverside of this outlaw biker. Well, how do you set yourself apart from the outlaw biker if you want to be even more elite? Like like Tragic's fucking elite. He doesn't want to be roped in with other just outlaws. How do you how do you make that distinction, right? What is your patch? What is your moniker? Stuff like that. And I think that's where the idea and where this legend of the one percent actually comes from in patch form, like these guys that are all kind of intertwined in these different clubs that are racing together, not sanctioned races, but, you know, just like getting together, racing for beer money, racing for slips, racing for bragging rights and girls. Um, they go to Mexico, they go to a place called Tecate and basically they race, they get drunk. Some people get arrested and they burn the town down. And there's a great story that's told by, by a couple of, of guys. Um, there's a few clubs and stuff like that to tell the story. Um, Tom Fugel's one of them. Um, um, Hunter Thompson writes about it, and and there's a story from a Satan slave named Smacky Jack who says, "Yeah, but it's cool. The town was only one street." <laughs> <laughs> and there's a great picture. Um, there's a great picture Dave Mann has of of Tecate and like the smoke rising in the background and some club members like it, it's a, it's a picture, but it, it's you know some club members trying to break their brother out of jail and stuff like that. And and the newspapers get a hold of this. The AMA gets a hold of this. And they have to do something again, kind of like Hollister. Um, and in 1961, they do. Ni- late 1960, 61, they release um, the AMA as a newspaper. And they release to the dealers um, an actual statement that says, like, the, if you're looking for the actual hard copied thing that says 99%, AMA says it in 1961. And they report to dealers and how they need to do more to appeal to the 99% of bikers um, that can increase business and, and stuff like that. And that is the first time that you see an actual statement of 99. And if you look through historical pictures, pre-1960, you won't see a 1% patch on these clubs, period. Yeah, I have a theory. Want to hear it? Yeah. I have a timeline theory. Now, like any scientific thing, you put out a theory and then you try to disprove it. So here's my theory and then we all need to work on disproving it so then we can revise it, right? So just like you said, Hollister comes out in 47, creates the outlaw biker image, right? Um, the outlaw biker is basically born. And then in uh, 1960, we have Decante, where the um, HA, the slaves were there, uh, Galloping Goose were there. And uh, like, just like you said, that, that uh, statement about 99% comes out. And what, 61, I think it was. And so then after that, I think what happened is these clubs that were there around the L.A. area, H.A., Satan Slaves, Straight Satans, all those guys, they were, they were sitting around and they, they weren't happy with kind of all the other clubs. You know, that there was a big thing about who's righteous and who's not. Even so... Like uh, you'd have biker magazines that would come out and in the back of the magazine, they would have a list of clubs that were righteous. Right. So it was really important to say who was righteous and who wasn't. And I think here's my theory. 
that these clubs, I think led by Satan slaves, got together and said, okay, we're going to create this. We're the 1% of these motorcycles. We're the 1% that, that does this kind of shit, and we're the righteous one because only 1% of these clubs are righteous. And we're it, and we're, we're going to have a, a righteous 1%, not club, but organization. And here's your, here's your 1% mark, and you guys can wear that on your vest, right? So I think that started, and then when Satan Slaves and, and all of them rolled into HA, all that became HA kind of, um, kind of history, right? I think a lot of history is lost when that happened. So at that point, you've got just a few clubs trying to say that they're 1% and that you had to get your diamond from another diamond holder. So you can see that even today, there are some clubs that give individual diamonds to individuals, but not to the club as a whole. I kind of think that's where that came from. And then you look at the L4 Stero, whenever they first came out in, what, 62, they're really the first ones that have the diamond built into their backpatch because they were one of the righteous groups that this started as. So that's my quick little theory, man. What do you guys think? Well, I think and doesn't, it's, it's, doesn't the letter from Tom Fugel support that and that he's referring to it as in the one percenter organization in the letter? I think yeah. he does. Yeah, and, and we have that stuff. We always put we have the AMA article that, that says ninety-nine percent. We have the Fugel um picture, we have um some other stuff. But I think you know, too, it's important to note, like uh, for our, our dumbest listener, which is me. Uh, we're not saying that, you know, that's how things should be today or anything like that. We're just saying that's how it was back then. And right. you have to, things change and they evolve, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, uh, things have changed. But that's just what we're saying was was kind of how we, from all the research we've done, how we see it going. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, For example, and I didn't got, get my diamond given by an organization and uh, good luck coming and taking it back. So well, exactly. and, I think, <laughs> and, and tragic said on that before. Um you know, if you're going to be a diamond club and and stuff like that, you can put it on. And if you can defend it, you can defend it or you can join an organization. that's already a diamond club, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, things are different today than, than they were then. Yeah, we're just talking about how it all got started. This is yeah, not history is anything with any club. History is not. Um, it, once again, history is not political. You know, it, it, history is history. So you can and, talk about I could talk about a club that I don't get along with, but recognize the historical significance of that club. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing with if anything happened, if someone came up with the first person, if if uh, L4, uh, they're the first ones recognized seeing it on their patch, you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were the first one percenters. No, to they weren't. Something like that I'm doesn't that. mean that it's a it's a slight against them. You're just discussing history. And I think too, like like Jim mentioned, you know, somebody like like Tiny, um, who was a founding member of the L4 Steros, that dude, what a legend and, and what he must have seen in the bike world and stuff like that. So he started off as a member of the Satan Slaves. Uh, he grew up in Sioux City, Iowa and had a bicycle club. Uh, and then he moves to California. Um, he becomes a member of the Satan Slaves. He brings that back, um, his callers, um, to Sioux City on a visit, meets with Tom. Um, Tom's checking, you know, Tom, Tom Fugel's mind is just blown by seeing these Satan, Satan slaves callers and the 1% patch would have been the first time he'd seen it or heard about it. Um, Tiny goes back, wants to start a Satan slave chapter in Sioux city for whatever reason. And thank God that it didn't happen, but 
it doesn't happen. Um, and, and so they start the L4 Stero Motorcycle Club. Um, and then for whatever, you know, for, for their own reasons, um, eventually Tiny moves back to California where he becomes a member of the HA. Um, so, I mean, you're seeing somebody that's just like this legend in the motorcycle community and three legendary clubs that, that he was a part of. Um, and the 50s and 60s are just, are just full of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the... It's a birthplace of a lot of it. And like you were saying earlier, um, with the one club that absorbed a lot of them, uh, a lot of history is lost. So, so I feel like it's, it's kind of like the the birth of a lot of stuff, but a lot of missing links for us. And that's why it's kind of fascinating because that's like the real romantic era of the, the MC. You know, is when a lot of these first things started getting birthed. And, you know, how much of it did we lose because, you know, patch over parties and, you know, you oh, don't celebrate that history because that history is gone. You're, you're under a new... To, uh, a new a new label now so you know man i wish that's why that page that you always send me those links from that outlaw archive man uh, i fucking i trip out on that page with some of the stuff that they send in and and if people are interested in learning more i definitely you know i don't have a i'm not here to make money i'm not trying to sell you a t-shirt i'm not taking gym selfies um in the gym um you know, it, it, check out some of these other great Instagram pages, you know, Outlaw Archive, Fugo Files on Instagram and stuff like that. They have so much history that you can kind of use with some of the reading and stuff like that to, to back up um, what you're thinking. But for punk rock and, and tragic, you guys are, are California boys. You know, the custom culture, motorcycle, cars, the whole scene, just kind of, you know, how you dress, your mannerisms, how you talk. So much of that was born in California. Like. Is there still a big crowd for that out there? Is it is, how has it changed? Well, I mean, the, the the just from then to now, yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, California um, culture now, it, you know, back then, you know, it, it, you know, it was a lot of a lot of white dudes. <laughs> it was a, the culture was heavily God heavily damn white honky. dude influenced, um, and and now not as much, you know, and and that's why. You know, uh, I think like clubs like mine, which are predominantly in this area, Chicano based, are, are thriving. You know, they, they adapted with the culture and the times of the change, you know, for the state. Um, but there's still a big bike scene out here. The biggest wild kind of outlaw bike scene out here now, though, is those fucking sport bike guys running amok um, all crazy in those packs. Those are like the new, you know, if you want to have like Hollister, you know, talking about crazy parties, you know, it's, it's those guys taking over freeways with, you know, 200 bikes. That, that's the closest thing to, like, that old scene out here now. Punk Rock, do you get into any of that, any of that custom culture stuff and, and things like that? Or? Uh, as far as the custom stuff, no, not really. I mean, when, when, I was in, when I was in California prior to my current motorcycle purchase, I was your typical fucking Dynabro. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. It's the most customizable bike in the guy. <laughs> I know. Even for a seven-footer. Hey man, I, you saw that picture. I, I make that bike look good. Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, with your four foot risers. Just real quick, tragic. He's got his fucking knees in his ears, and he's got forwards on his bike. Like that still just fucking baffles me. Well, I, like I told in the comments, I used to have an electric glide, and those floorboards put my knees above the tank. At least with these four controls on a Dyna, at least I could stretch out a little bit. Yeah, right. And even on my my. My dresser, I had to do heel to toe. I had to use the toe of my high wake uh, pegs that were on the crash bar, and the heel of my foot would be on the very tip of where the toe is of the floorboard. <laughs> Dude. But, 
But yeah, I mean, I was here. I was a typical fucking diner bro. I had a black street bob just like everybody else. Uh, I had black 10-inch T-bars just like everybody else. Um, and in San Diego, you pretty much... Fairing. No, no, I, I didn't have a fairing. I never I never went full diner bro. You know, I've seen I've seen Tropic Thunder, all right? You never go full retard. <laughs> now but, we're going to get the hate mail. That's fine. Um, but no, I, uh, and I also was running, um, you know, I had that big sucker too, just like everybody else. Uh, and I had, yep. I had, and it, it was one of two, uh, exhaust systems that everybody else ran. You either had the two brothers racing pro pipe or you had the, uh, uh, Heinz, um, big shots. That was down in San Diego though. Tragic. You gotta remember that a little different, right? Yeah, you guys are weird. A little more <laughs> white. You guys put fucking French fries and burritos like fucking savages. So hey, <laughs> fucking geniuses. All right, just because y'all motherfuckers up in LA couldn't get your shit together. Look how, look how defensive he gets when I fucking bring this up every time. All right, <laughs> California burritos, are goddamn glorious. All right. Anyways, before I so rudely interrupted, once again for the <laughs> listeners at home, I'm only comfortable talking to him like this because I'm 2,300 miles away from him now. <laughs> but. but <laughs> But uh, as far as the bike scenes kind of evolved, like obviously, you know, kind of like the tragic said, you know, there's there's definitely a bigger uh, Chicano scene um, down there now. Oh, I love some cholo bikes. It's They're fucking beautiful. Yeah, hey, I'll say it. I fucking hate fishtail pipes. I you know, understand. And and you half my, and, and, and you're and in more the than half my brothers have them. <laughs> He's like, and you're in the model. It's the fucking sound. It it makes me want to fucking just strangle a fucking kitten. Just you are probably the most angry prospect ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, that's probably actually that's accurate. Right behind, right behind twelve homies that got fucking fishtail pipes right in your fucking ear. Just oh god. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna go to the clubhouse tonight and fight his brothers. Now that's that's what we just started. Hey, so, you know, we're talking about, like, the California scene and, and stuff like that. And one name that most people know is is Ed Roth, Ed Big Daddy Roth. He created Rat Fink, which, I mean, is still alive and well um, today. You think, uh, you know, some of the innovators of, like, custom motorcycles, cars, paint jobs, pinstriping. Uh, Ed Roth, Von Dutch, I mean, these kind of characters were, like, even uh, Punk Rock mentioned Arlen Ness and stuff like that. He would get up and running um, shortly mm-hmm. after. Um, these guys were just legendary in the scene. And. And for 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 Jim, who was there, and for Tragic, who's in a one percent club, and things like that, like this stuff kind of blows your mind. Like like Ed Roth was the first one to make a motorcycle magazine dedicated to like the outlaw, to to choppers, to motorcycle clubs, and and things like that. Um, Ed Roth was the first one to put Dave Mann and, and kind of really get him started on his paintings and things like that before he went to Easy Riders and. Ed Roth did stuff that today would would blow our minds as far as bringing clubs together. So, it, like Jim mentioned, he would have like um, in the back of the magazine clubs that are righteous, um, and, and it went a step further. Like you could buy from his magazine trading cards of members of one percent clubs uh, and different clubs. I mean, they yeah. he had legendary members of of, of the Horseman and the Goose and. The, I mean, he had um, Pig from Milwaukee. He had um, legends like Grey Cats and stuff like that. Like, you could just buy trading cards of these one percenters. Like, can you imagine doing that? I can get a trading card of Tragic. I'm saying, I'm already signed up. Like, where's my fucking trading card? I and think, one, I think it's where to get that one and put it in that protective sheath. I expect to see it. 20 
If we're doing a tra trading card of tragic, we're gonna have to do like a flag-sized card. <laughs> and something that you know, what, you know, that, it's unfortunate though. Is you're talking about like these kind of custom builds. Um, one thing I'll say I noticed is that I don't really see that in the club scene anymore. I see guys who, um, you know, they have multiple bikes and they might have one of those like custom out chopters, beautiful candy flake paint, all that stuff, which a lot of the culture, you know, was really uh, a, a, about for a long time. Um, 13 Rebels in Virginia got a guy like that. Dude, I'm saying like these some guys have like bikes like that, and I've got some brothers that have bikes like that, but you never see them out on that one. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just the hassle of having a very distinct bike. You have a really distinct bike that anybody can spot from you know wherever, including like law enforcement for their harassment type stuff. So now everybody has you know pretty. You'd have trouble spotting a lot of one uh, percenter uh, bikes out from another ones other than real subtle differences but everybody's got a black bike everyone's either got a black road glide or a black you know dyna uh or you and know that's like a, a shame man that's it, that's it, just sad and it's a protection thing you know i don't want to be you know they're saying like hey i saw that you know green candy green you know chrome fucking chopper you know like a mile away i know it was you i'm like oh fuck you well, know what was i doing <laughs> <laughs> And one of those legendary choppers, like you think of, like famous paint jobs, the Captain America bike, um, oh. and and Ed Roth, uh, he was the first one to put a black man riding a chopper into a magazine about motorcycles, and it was Cliff Foss, who was a member of the ch or um, was before he passed away, um, a member of the Chosen Few. Um, he helped bring more kind of attention to bikes. Him and Ben Hardy are very famous for the Easy Rider story. Um, you know, him and Roth were were good friends, and they did a lot of bikes together. They they put them in magazines. Um, you know, Cliff would go on to work. Um, so he did a lot of like um, activism and civil rights stuff in the South, and he would go on to work with um, Danny Loins, uh, very famous. Um, everybody kind of knows his book from his time with the Chicago Outlaws, um, the Bike Rider. So you can see where all this stuff just kind of like intersects and 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 kind of hooks up, and and all these names like oh yeah, this person was associated with this person, and. And I mean, all Danny these guys knew each other. They, yeah, they, they all knew each other. It's all intertwined. Well, they're all and they're, they're all famous for us now. You know, like these are pioneers back then who were famous now to us because the scene was smaller. You know, and, and they had these these pictures that we look back now. I mean, the David Manns, the Tom Fugles, you know, uh, Cliff Voss, the Ben Hardys, the Ed Ross, and then the list goes on. Like we can look back at these pictures now as kind of tracing some of our heritage or whatever and, and you know that only goes back into the four you know the 50s and the 40s and stuff like that the 60s um and there's obviously much before that but it's still it's, it's just very cool to to see that kind of stuff okay i tell you know what you mentioned earlier the the scene for that stuff um how do i say this without sounding like like a total racist um but like a lot of the the black club scenes you know those those fellas their bikes that's where you that 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 customizing of the bikes um, that still thrives out here in California. A lot of that, those, those guys, one, do they smash some miles on their bikes? Like, like some of the guys I've, I've met who've just been, you know, they, they, everything is measured by how many miles you put on, but those bikes are immaculate and customed out to, they're way more expensive than what they, uh, what they started as. They dump, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in those bikes. Yeah. Nothing is left untouched. Everything is custom. Everything's got a good sound system. You know, and that too. It's, and it's got a banging sound system. And 
one of the things that like when you bring up stuff like that, man, there was a uh, there's a bike night in Mira Mesa that it was it was like every Thursday or something like that. And there was this cat that used to always show up. He was by himself and he was a prospect. And uh, it was it was a public bike night. It was like in a public area and all that other shit. But this cat, you know, he, he was in a sport bike club for a long time. And then uh, like he patched in and he always wanted to ride to Mount uh, Rushmore. Right. Nobody in his club wanted to do it because they're all on fucking like CBR 600 and shit. You know, like fucking leg cramps. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he shows up to a bike night one night with no rags on, but he's on his fucking, he's on brand new street glide. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's rad. You know, and then over the period of fucking months, like, this man said, fuck rent. Like, I'm, I'm tricking my bike out, you know? <laughs> fuck and, rent. Fuck rent. So many good <laughs> stories start out like that. Yeah, right. And, and we see him trick this shit out. And it's just and and finally, like he ended up getting a, in a fucking club, you know, that wanted to do the shit that he wanted to do. Thank God. But it's like you said, right? Like, there's no kind of style. Like, like you can definitely tell. Like that shit comes from the heart. Oh yeah. Because like I remember, like I remember seeing this blue street glide, fucking show up to this bike night, and then just watching it change into something that nobody would have ever fucking thought about before. Oh yeah, dude. When my, it's, I love the dinos and I love customizing it and building on it. I'm not good at it. Like I start, I'll change something and I realize, uh, this is becoming a Frankenstein. I, I don't like where this is going. The, the talent for that is, uh, is exceptional. If you know how yeah, it some of those old bikes like Tom used to build and, Ed, uh, you know, Ed Roth used to paint and, and Dave Mann and stuff like that. Like, man, just the talent that, that went into being able, like I said something the other day. I'm like riding a motorcycle, being in a club, it is art. Like oh, yeah. riding is art. Building your bike or customizing your bike is an art. Painting it is an art. Writing about it is an art. Taking pictures of it is art. Like there's so much art involved in the MC world. Yeah, I, I definitely think definitely the building of it and painting of it. Um you know, I'm always, I've been more performance focused. I like, I like to go fast. I like to, to be reliable and, and just be able to fucking rip. That's um, art. But I also, we, me and you share that one guy's dyna back and forth numerous times on, on uh, Facebook, you know, with the chrome highlights on everything. And it's actually gold chrome on everything. It's black and gold and one of the tightest dynas I've ever seen. And I'm like, it, it's like when, like the guys who show up and have their first tattoo and they got a full body sleeve. You're like, how did you think to have all that? I got like 20 shitty different tattoos that fucking don't pay homage to one another or anything. You know what I mean? Like, oh, fucking mess over here. And this guy's got his bike dialed in and he's probably like 22 <laughs> years old. Yeah, that's how I feel about my first marriages. <laughs> hey, 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 your first marriages are just training for the final one. That's all that is. You know, all right. You're talking about that guy who said, you know, he said, forget rent. I'm just going to trick out my bike, man. I feel like that was me every day in the army. Like, I don't even need to worry about room and board. I'm just going to. Yeah. And, 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 you know, tragic. tragic before, yeah. They ain't taking me to court. I'm just fucking. <laughs> and, uh, before tragic got here, I was telling Ken, I was like, I forgot that. I was telling him that I forgot that. I had only told him that story previously that, that you were laughing. <laughs> I fucking died. I, I thought I'd already told everybody. You know, no, I, no, you say, I know we've already fucking lost where we were trying to go with this fucking show, but I do have to say, so I go to bed pretty early because I have to get up pretty early. And guys, I got to tell you, nothing fucking makes a morning better. The only thing that could have made my morning better is if my old lady wanted to fucking hook up. That was it. 
but like waking up and I and I saw my phone is like, yo, you have 87 Telegram fucking notifications. I was like, oh fuck, and I open it up, it's our shit. And I when I open it up and it starts out with what you never heard about that, I was like, oh here we fucking go. Bro, I, and thought I, just, was the, I thought I was the hood rat in our in our in our group here, and fucking Dave took that crown and fucking pranced around in it through this whole fucking story. Hey, hey, I'm so, sitting there telling my wife the story, and you know I just I'd smoke <laughs> weed at the moment, and, but so it was that much funnier, and I couldn't fucking wrap my brain around the insanity of the story, and try to exp- explain it to her, and I'm trying to explain it to her. And she's looking at me like I'm a crazy person. She's like, you're just high. I'm like, no, no, no. And I explained it to her again the next day, sober. And she's like, wait a minute, that's all real? And I was yeah. like, yeah, 100%. man. 100%. <laughs> I got the receipts. I have the receipts. And all right, so for the listeners, I'm not going to give you everything. But basically what we're talking about is I was telling, I had told Punk Rock before, and, and I, I guess I thought I had told Tragic, but I hadn't, was um, when, I was in, when I was in the service, I unfortunately did some things I shouldn't have, um, and I had to actually go to county lockup. Not, nothing serious. I had to go for 30 days, um, and it wasn't drinking. So anyway, I had to go to county lockup, 30 days, and I got out, and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Um, so, so- <laughs> yes. And here we go. So that's what we did. Um, so I was young at the time. I can tell you how young, but I was young. Um, and and because I was young and smart and I probably had a Mustang with 36% interest, I decided that the best thing that we should do or that I should do during this is to not wear a condom. Um, so she ended up getting pregnant and, and through a series of great events, had to track down like eight of us because she was married Um had a boyfriend, and then I think there was five or six better, of better. us at this at this party. Hold and, on, I want to clarify real quick. Your message said had to track down four of us plus her boyfriend and her husband. Yes. That's fucking. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's always, it's Listeners, always... let that marinate for a second. Her husband, her boyfriend, and four dudes. <laughs> And she didn't know who was who in the zoo. Oh, so fucking no, she didn't. And it's always great watching Tragic lose his shit like this. <laughs> it's so fucking gold. This is my favorite story of out of out of anybody's stories. I've got and, a lot of fucking stories. And in front. We're, we're abbreviating it, but one of the parts that Tragic loved the best is so every relation. And that was a long time ago. And I'm I'm not lying. I can show you guys. Literally every relationship I've had, just a girlfriend, ran, a temporary nah. girl or wife. She has messaged and told them that I'm gay. <laughs> this is the fucking best. <laughs> <laughs> He's gay. How do you know? He came in me. <laughs> Dude. And I was like, wait a minute. What is she fucking mad about? Like, <laughs> you were number four. <laughs> That's his name. It's not like number you fucking four. ruined like, some <laughs> relationship from her and you... You spited her. You just happened to be number four. Why the fuck is she? Which is which? Hang on, wait, wait. Down? Which is BS because I should have been number one. I was the one getting out of jail. I should have been first. <laughs> <laughs> I just guessed at number four. Fuck. Hopefully you weren't number six. As long as you're not the last one, that's all that matters. No, I was the last one. I was number four. Oh, but, that, but that's, four, oh. that's four out of six. 
The other two, the, the husband and the boyfriend, had to come to the paternity test because oh, one was they weren't there. The they weren't there. No, they oh. weren't there. See, Can you, I mean, I that made know. it a little bit more wild because I was like, that's fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> no. husband and boyfriend were at the gangbang. <laughs> so I don't know if you're willing to. And then if you're not, please say that you're not. And that's fine. The readers can just fuck off and die in a fire. But can you tell the part about the paternity test? Like, the, like, like how oh. the judge was. So, so a, like you're doing that. I'm going to go grab another beer. So the judge, I, the judge, um, Knocked over all his beer cans. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my so, God. hang on, hang on. All right, so I'm gonna tell that story, but but when he gets back, then I have one more thing pertaining to the podcast I want to cover. But anyway, So, so the judge had a sense of humor, um, and and so all of us. So, in the state of Virginia, if you are cohabitating with somebody, which she was with a boyfriend, and and you're married to somebody, which she was not officially divorced from her husband, they all have to come as well in a paternity oh. case. So the judge must have had a sense of humor because he calls all six at the same time, and we're we're standing there in front of the the bench or whatever at the table, and he releases us one by one, and finally there's me, and and this will come important later. I'm. If you didn't know, I'm, I'm white. So he's releasing us one by one, and suddenly there's me and and, and a black guy that left. And I'm like, and, and at this point, I had, I had seen my child. I found out later is my child. And and you know what? I, this probably makes me a horrible parent for telling this story, and they can get mad at me later. Um, but I'm like looking at this guy, and I'm just like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who was it? Come on, tell me. <laughs> so, and then he's like, at the end of that, when I'm the only one left in the room, because he dismissed everybody else one by one, he's like, he's like, so you owe X amount of dollars in arrearages, which is just back child support. And I'm like, really? what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, you know, soon as made you all, all divvy it up from everybody that was at the party. You know, I have been in some shit. I was active duty for 13 years, and I have been in some shit that I probably should not have walked away with, uh, like walked away from. But that takes the fucking cake, man. <laughs> you know how, like, you always say, like, you you know, when you're if you're in the service, a lot of us, like, when we're E3s or, or below or something like that, we always we're like, man, we can't believe that that we dodged that bullet. Well, the bullet has to stop somewhere, and it's it's me. I'm the yeah. guy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's some there's some asshole who it didn't work out for all the way. <laughs> I never got away with anything. Like, I did it regardless, but I wasn't getting away with shit. <laughs> oh fuck, man, that dude, that shit is so funny. If, and um, I, told, but, but, I told Tragic, man, if it wasn't for the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and the need for people, I wouldn't have an, I mean, I would have gotten kicked out, I, like an admin sep or something like that. Like, I never did anything crazy, like a dishonorable, but they definitely would have just been like, you know what, you're enough of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The timeline on that, uh, man, you did get saved by that. Jesus, man. So do we have time to go back to the podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So after our listeners have gotten the uh, the comedy section out of the way, uh, we'll get back to some fucking history. So, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> how about how about punk rock knocking over every single beer that he's drinking? Yeah. Trying to get you another one. Hey man, that's cool. I knocked over a couple of beers. You knocked up a whore. I'm just glad he's not sitting in his bed again for this fucking podcast. 
Like, like, fucking twenty pillows behind him. Dude, I so think he's got pants Jim, on. I, that's an improvement. I can't <laughs> believe Jim. I can't believe Drifter didn't leave. Oh, I'm here. I hear all this shit. I'm writing it all down. <laughs> hey, hey, Drifter was active duty for like eighteen thousand years. Yeah. All right. Hey, hey, Drifter. Drifter came back in the conversation. <laughs> and last night when he when he and he just pipes on right like right at the perfect time and he goes he goes you were like an E three that uh, like a chief like you were like some chief's worst nightmare like just fucking yeah. completely perfectly timed. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> like if, so so like I told the readers yesterday, like I spent a little bit of time um, in the Navy and then there was a program um, back then called Blue to Green where the Army because of the Army nobody wanted to join the Army obviously, and they were like, look if you take an if you take an infantry job, we will give you bonus money and i was like yeah let me get some of that shit but but before that i was i was in the navy and absolutely like like my navy career and and like what kind of hooligan i was versus like being more squared away in the army night and day and uh you know i I can imagine like jim like like drifter telling us stories about about the navy in like the 80s or the 90s i mean it probably makes my stories look weird or uh sane i mean he's probably got some weird stories I do, but they're not for the public. We're going to have to get together <laughs> around the fire and a bunch of bottles, and then I'll tell you. <laughs> so, all right, back to the podcast. Oh, I mean, we never stopped recording, but back to the Wait, point. we're doing a podcast? Nobody told me. What the fuck? All kinds of history. Yeah. Hey, I'll so. Answer nut. So, so punk rock man when you when you go to when you go to talk about this and hype it up and and tell people that you're editing and stuff like that are you just going to title it the gangbang first of all <laughs> let's be honest he's never edited one of these fucking shows i have no he doesn't he just I puts have. it up there would you trim two minutes off of one of them <laughs> hey it was like three of them you big fuck two <laughs> all right I want to hear your bullshit. I go, hey, trim that out. And he goes, okay. And then I listen to it, you know, a week later. And I go, there's all the fucking shit still in there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right, so in, my defense, in my defense, though, you say, hey, trim that out. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to trim that out. It's fucking gold. That, that's fair. You do say I'm not doing that. Hey, so anyway, there we were in 1959. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's the history part of this? So... So in, in, in 1959 in Santa Monica, fucking California, uh, now there, that's was club, California. <laughs> there was a club born called the Straight Satans. Um, if you're kind of if you love like early like outlaw culture of, of the motorcycle scene, the Straight Satans are named. Um, you probably know. And they had a ton of legendary figures in it that kind of made the scene what it was. And like Tragic's taking me through like there's some really cool pictures of like old Venice and like kind of what they did like and how they ran around it. And like Tragic's talked about like how it's changed and how it's different and things like that. But I mean, the way that people intersect with that. So like um, the Straight Satans or a club in California. Um, and we talked about Danny Lawrence and how he wrote the book, The Bike Riders, which deals with kind of the Midwest scene. Um, so there was a guy, um, in that book, in the bike riders who has an HA tattoo on his arm, but he's a Chicago outlaw. His name is Cal. Cal moved to Illinois, obviously from California. And he had a brother, him and his brother were both in the straight Satans. Um, and in the book, the bike riders, Cal talks about, um, how he made the transition from being a straight Satan, um, to the HA, um, and so on. And then he actually moves to Illinois. Um, and he actually takes an, an HA guy with him 
um, and they're hanging out, and there's some very famous Dandelion's pictures of these two, like, um, hanging out. Um, there's one, the very famous, of, like, two outlaws kissing comes from that and stuff. Um, Is that Funny like, Sunny? Are you talking about yep. Funny Sunny? Yep. And, and so, like I said, Cal was a straight Satan. Um, and then in the book, he talks about how he meets the other club and stuff like that after the death of his brother. Um, but a f- another fact, Cal, um, before becoming a straight Satan, was an AMA rider. Um, he was in an AMA club called the Culver City Silver Saints. I have no idea. I'm assuming Culver City is in California. Yeah, it's in the LA. It's in LA County. So, and it was a co-ed club um, with a member that a lot of people uh, might have heard of, Mother Ruthie. She's very famous, connected with like early like HA stuff, and was actually um, an officer for a little bit of time, which I think people um, forget she was about. The secretary. Secretary. Um, yep. She was like what, one of two like women to ever be full patches when that was still acceptable. Um, and she was also somebody that took minutes of straight Satan's meetings. So I think, you know, like just showing how that, that kind of all intertwines between one club and one person. And they knew this person who photographed this person who was an AMA member of this person. And she took meetings at this or she took minutes at this meeting. Like all that stuff is just kind of a cool. It's probably the last time that like minutes in a meeting were taken like really clear, concise and legible handwriting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we don't not so much anymore. I don't even think, no. I, don't even think we did this. Shit, I can't even fucking yeah, I can't go into it, but I I can't read my own handwriting. So <laughs> <laughs> Well so that's all I got. What what is anybody else who's the next gangbang? <laughs> I think we're late for the gangbang. <laughs> yeah. Uh I'm not number four, that's for goddamn certain. <laughs> Well, you're not number one because the rest of us won't even feel it. That's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we can do a whole other. We can do a well, podcast. I know what you guys are going to do. You know, we talk, we've talked about getting together out in uh, Virginia later this year. But uh, for you two history buffs, you guys have to come to California. You guys got to see Ground Zero. You know, but if we, if, we, um, if we go to Virginia, I could probably make some calls and see if that girl's still willing for another gangbang. So just just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it make for a funny story, and I made a lot of bad decisions in my life on bad uh, on funny stories, but that's that's not one of them. No, no, no. Uh, this one, I think we're definitely going to have to redo this one. No way, this is the best no, one. You're talking about redo. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. This is getting put up. Oh, re- oh revisiting some of this uh, some of this content. Yeah, especially. Look, oh. at, look, at, we can only talk about, you know, you can only reinvent the wheel so many times. Of course, we're going to go back over material over and over again uh, because, uh, you know, the history doesn't change. You know, it's interesting. I've I've learned a lot more from uh, hanging out with you guys and talking history than I ever knew uh, before because mine is a very closed circuit of history, you know, very specific to my club, uh, and so it's always been interesting when you guys start talking about some of the stuff that I'm like, who the fuck is this old dude that did this back in then? And he was riding a bicycle. Hey, but uh, I don't think any of our clubs have ever had a, a governor in them. Uh, that's true. That's, that's true. true. Uh, Jesse oh. Ventura, twenty. Uh, we sh- should have been twenty twenty. But uh, yeah, man. Top echelon. He's also, uh, he also in the UDT teams, uh, as was his brother, yeah. uh, Jim yeah. and Jan Janos. Were they yeah, both? I, I, real I, name. I got to speak with him real briefly, and uh, uh, he turned and he looked at me and he goes, "God damn, I didn't know they're making Mongols that size now." 
And that was it. That was the, that was, that was the extent of my conversation. <laughs> I said, like, yep. Hey, uh, hey, Drifter, did his uh, did his brother, did he ride motorcycles too or just Jesse? I think he did. Well, he does ride, but he's not in any club. Hmm. Well, that's a lot of, you know, that, that history from down in that era, down in San Diego. That's uh, one, probably why it's, uh, and don't take this personally, punk rock, but why it's kind of a shit show as far as the club scene goes is because of the, the military clubs down there and just how, you know, year-round riding and, you know, it, it's just, it's a it's a beautiful city. It's hot chicks everywhere. There's beaches everywhere. There's a bunch of military guys. There's Mexico right next to it. It's a perfect breeding ground for just fucking insanity. Um, if you wanted to do that, so uh, that's probably definitely, definitely no offense taken because I I see that both as as a vet, as a club guy, and as a vet who is a club guy. Um, I I honestly do believe that a lot of the veteran like that. I think the pop up club plague is definitely the worst in San Diego, um, and maybe maybe number two is probably up where you are, dude. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I don't, I don't. We don't really get them up here. You know what's crazy to me, and I never would have expected is like out east. Like I remember, like like working um, at the other page and stuff like that. Like the amount of people that would like send in something from like, and I'm not trying to disrespect your state. I'm generalizing here, but like Maryland or like West Virginia or some something like that. Oh, his like, state, Florida. <laughs> that place is fucking crazy. It is. Yeah, oh, this place is fucking banana sandwiches, man. You're like, man, that's crazy. Like that dude's doing what? Where? Like, I thought everything like. I don't know. Well, yeah, so some but, crazy stuff. San, San Diego definitely had a lot of pop-up clubs in it, and um, a lot of a lot of just fucking jackasses. Because like we have we have big name clubs like that's because they were special warfare. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got all those guys because they didn't make it through special warfare training. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> because you have all those big swinging dicks guys who are you know seals down there, guys who are marines down there, you know in. in a lot of those guys, you know, because like like I said, with the with the brother uh, Jesse Ventura, you know, that's what he was doing at that time when he came into my club. So, yeah, but well, you know, and, and, I, well, and I'm actually, sure a, I'm sure this is a topic for another time. But y'all motherfuckers got me started, and I've been drinking. So, but uh, but no, I mean, between the 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 military bravado that is kind of bred into you in basic training, plus the kind of like culture ish. That the that the natives try to fucking bring to the table to kind of counteract that, because you know, like you, you got a bunch of dudes trying to act hard from Colorado that are out in the fucking sticks, right? And then they join the military, they get a bike, they fucking station in San Diego, and then they don't know how to act because they don't have their mom around anymore. And then, like me as a local, like you see this shit, and it's like, bro, calm down. Like <laughs> it's a college town for the military. Yeah, that's that's a very good way to put that. Um. But what's really what what really is cool is that I think a lot of clubs around there, um, they force that kind of history. And and I did kind of want to give him a shout out here. I asked his permission, and he never got back to me on it. But so um, you're gonna do it anyway, even though he never got back to you? Yep, I'm gonna fucking do it anyway. Uh, yeah, double barrel. So, uh, so yeah. here's what you don't do in protocol. Go ahead, go ahead, punk rock. Hey, double barrel. Um, but no, I had, I had a prospect who, uh, who, who chose to move a different way. Uh, Mike, he knows who I'm talking about and, name dropping? and you know, yeah, name dropping too. I just wrote a post about that, but uh, he got me a picture of this topic of Hollister, right? 
from one of the museums in San Diego in Balboa Park, and it's it's there's like eight or twelve museums in there. Um, yeah, he got me this picture as part of one of the tasks that I gave, and it was a write up on Hollister. And I asked him if he thought that that picture was legitimate, and if that was a legitimate news article. He says, "Yeah, the paper looked old, the ink looked faded a little bit, and da 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 da." Really, what it ended up being was that the museum just wanted to fill more space because it was a fucking um, there was a knucklehead sitting next to a panhead talking about Hollister. But then those engines don't match up for the years that Hollister supposedly. So they doctored it up. They doctored it up. So, so I asked him, I was like, do you think that picture is legitimate? And he's like, well, I don't know. You know, I was like, well, do a little bit of research on Harley engines for me. And then that's all I left it at. And he got back to me. He's like, no, that was fucking fake because this engine didn't go into production until 48, which is the year after that happened. And, you know, we only, I say recently, as in like the, the 70s and 80s, started releasing the model year in the year beforehand. So I'd released a 1991 in 1990. In the end of 1990, um, but he found all these engines that weren't supposed to be there, that came into production after the fact. You know, so like we we push a lot of that shit. We stay. I think we stay true to a lot of history. Like we 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 keep making um, our prospect dig deep into history so they know where they came from. But uh, as far as like watering down the culture, I think we're also a very big perpetrator of that as well. Because, like, stuff like we're, we're talking about today, like paying homage to, you know, potentially the Tecate party or, you know, the Hollister riots. And really, unless you're a booze fighter, you know, like, very, like, very little detail about what actually happened at Hollister. Yeah. You know, it's just enough to make somebody fucking happy. No, 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 no. Those you pissed off right here. Those pissed off bastards were very pissed off at me last time I wrote it. And I had to be like, look, man, I'm not saying that it's not the birthplace of the outlaw. Okay, so, image. So, so let me let me back up um, and let me let me fix my statement there. Unless you're a booze fighter in San Diego, and I'm talking about San Diego clubs, um, unless you're a booze fighter in San Diego, you probably don't know the intricate details of Hollister, right? Because like the rest of us, we're just kind of taught like, oh, this one percent shit came from, and we're just like, okay, patch holder said it's got to be true, right? And then you just keep moving. You just like put that in your little bank, and then you keep it moving. Most clubs don't push general mc history they push their individual clubs history which i don't i don't necessarily agree with that because you know eventually i'm going to be a patch holder allegedly right so i'm going to be a patch holder in a club that's our that's our next episode is is, is how to recruit punk rock yeah, we gotta make a tv show on that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it right here boyos. but uh but no like you're you know you're eventually going to be a patch holder in a fucking club and then you're like gonna the be laughing devils, never, like the laughing. <laughs> and then you're you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna come across somebody that you've never seen before. And you're gonna be looking at him and be like, "Who the fuck is this?" You know, like, "Who the fuck is this?" Some fucking bullshit MC called the Thirteen Rebels. And then you have no idea what the fuck hey, they're talking about, dude. It's happened. When, it's happened. Oh, I'm that, sure. That's my that's my point, and that's why we do this shit because we love putting this information out there. You know that I just love watching you guys fucking trash talk me because I'm a glutton for pain. But I want to know I want to know how many laughing devils you knew. Uh, so I've met two of them. Um, Get the fuck out of here! I've <laughs> it was actually. Dude, I'm done. You, all, all I'm gonna say, tragic, is you know the people uh, that I'm gonna bring up here. Um, so the we were at a we were at a bike night, uh, not at Mira Mesa. We were at a bike night, and then we hear these two like just. 
they were loud, but they didn't sound good bikes pull up and everybody's kind of fucking looking at them. And then like one of my homies that I was with fucking like tapped me on the shoulder. was like, bro, that's the laughing devils. I was like, the, the fucking what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I, I got to step away real quick. He was a club guy. I was not at the time. He's like, I got to step away real quick. I'll be right back. I was like, all right, cool. He comes back a little bit later, takes me inside. And then probably 15, 20 minutes go by and we hear like 15, 20 bikes come rolling up. I'm like, oh shit, like something's about to go down. I want to watch this. I go outside and there is just that nobody wanted to get within probably 60, 70 feet of the individuals that showed up and the two bikes that showed up prior to that, the Laughing Devils, and they're just sitting there smoking cigarettes, mean mugging everybody. And uh, they, they left without their cuts. Um, and one dude uh, left his bike. That's all I'm aware of. But did it end in a gangbang? It did not end in a gangbang. So unfortunately, we were not in Virginia where that's apparently a common occurrence. Oh, hey, 29. With the Marines out there with Camp Pendleton, I'm sure there's plenty of weird shit. Oh, yeah, man. I can We can make 18 different podcasts. You know, my, my ex was so, solicited by, by a couple of them. So let's Ew. let's what are we going to talk about next time? What do they have to look forward to? Uh, probably have we covered it all. AA. <laughs> Maybe. Did you say AA? Jesus. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cover. Um, we're gonna we're cover. Have, we're have a we should on? cover uh, uh, some of the questions that we get in the inbox. Maybe uh, cover some of that stuff. Ah. Can, we can we can address the uh, recent scandal. No, I'm just kidding. We're not talking about that. If you couldn't tell, Andar's a little bitter about some of the things that's been said privately. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't until I was going to take the high road until this morning. Yeah. I concur. But that's the great thing about Four for the Road. We don't believe in censorship. Um, and uh, I actually do view these men as my brothers. I just don't say that. Um, that's not that's not a word that I like to use lightly. Um, and if uh, if one of these men that I consider my brothers fucking say that, hey, this is A, B, and C, then it's fucking A, B, and C, and I'll fucking take it up with him afterwards. Yeah. So I wanted to name us Prestige Worldwide. Prestige Worldwide. <laughs> the company from Step Brothers. Come on, that's fucking perfect. Hmm. <laughs> Hey, can our theme song be Boats and Hoes? No. Yeah, that's it. If you guys don't have boats out where you're at. Motherfuckers, <laughs> 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 Damn. Yeah, he's still a little bit of Oh, talk. shit. I don't think we'll ever publicly, like, address it. We're just going to keep doing this dumb shit. <laughs> no, I swear to God, I got it out of my system. I swear to God, I'm over it. Until he does, until he does something else dumb. Bullshit. Yeah, so this will be on our next podcast too. Uh, but <laughs> so. All right, sign us out. I gotta go pee. Sign us out. Yeah, oh man, take us home, Ken. I've gotten pissed like twice. Um, so hey, thanks for thanks for checking out this week's shit show. I mean episode, and <laughs> we don't know what we're gonna have for you next week, but uh, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. And today's events have led me to believe that I drink too much, so I'll probably be a little more sober for that. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate everything you guys do. Uh, we appreciate the follows, the support, really. Hit uh, like. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then, hit, hit like on the page and on the channel and on the YouTube channel and on the Spotify. Tell your mom to listen to us. 
Fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> and don't uh, don't tell people about your your daughter that's coming to their area. So you guys have a wonderful week, and we will see you next week.